So, then, Miles on FM Podcast, Episode 4, Chapter 8. So, yes, we've started Book 3, the uh, second movie book in Gardens of the Moon, uh, which comprises three chapters, and uh, the middle one of which, Chapter 9, is actually quite long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's the chapter I have most notes for. And, uh, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Anyway, Chapter 8, though, is actually the shortest chapter I can, I can remember in the entire series. Yeah, I was. That was the thing that struck me when I got to the end of it. I was. I mean, particularly as the series goes on, the chapters seem to get oh, longer boy. and longer and longer. Um, but I mean, this one in particular is is very short for a chapter in a Malazan book. And um, the the uh, this oh. book three is actually quite short as well. It feels, I think, or book four is it that we're on to now? Yeah, actually, Guards of the Moon is also the shortest of the main books. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah, we start with a little uh, poem by one Fenny, Fenny Buell, you know, saying to the fool that, that love, uh, yeah, it's about basically about uh, puppets and strings, which uh, really ties into the whole world. Uh, yeah, I, and it's got sort of the, the dual meaning, because you've got obviously the literal puppet uh, in terms of yeah. Hairlock and, yeah. and, the, and the strings that bind him to, uh, to Quick Ben, who's attempting to control him. Oh, and then, of course, and then you've got Paran, who's being used as a puppet by the Empire as well, and uh, oh, particularly yeah, by Lorne. Because <laughs> when he has his talk with uh, Tattersail, I think it's actually in Chapter 9, not Chapter yeah, 8. Right. But he talks about how he's... Uh, how he's always being used all his or at least all his career he's always being used by someone and he's just used to it yeah. uh, so and used to, uh, uh, yeah. used to it anyway so then uh so basically chapter eight is about whiskey jack and quick ben and they're on the way to the richestown and mm-hmm. uh, the moran they they call whiskey jack a bird that steals which <laughs> i found pretty funny although yeah it's uh, it's it's funny in what I didn't realise until sort of quite late on in the series. I read somewhere on Reddit is that uh, Whiskey Jack is like a Canadian bird that yes, likes to uh, <laughs> that likes to steal uh, shiny items for its oh. nest and stuff like that. So uh, we have a similar bird in the UK, which is called a magpie. Ah. Um, so it's I think that's at one point I don't know which Whiskey Jack maybe must have got his hand caught. Uh, in a honey pot or something like that. So someone's given the nickname Whiskey Jack, I assume, yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> that's sort of where it comes uh, from. <laughs> well, you don't see it in the way they act. You don't act very Canadian in this uh, world, or anyway. So and there's a little bit about the supposedly unscheduled patrols. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are lots of unscheduled patrols. I'm leaving one in two weeks. Yeah, I like that. Relax and one. Then, it's, uh, uh, I think if he could, that Maranth would have probably winked at that point if, uh, if they understood that gesture. He's like, oh yeah, there'll be an unscheduled patrol in two weeks. Maximum. <laughs> uh, and of course, there's a classic little uh, cutaway. It's like when uh, it's kind of a trope where someone's dead, like says, okay guys, this is the plan, and then the camera cuts away so it doesn't mm. uh, ruin everything. So we have that. Yeah, Whiskey Jack was like, listen closely, or, or we're all gonna die. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, it reminded me where he uh, where he scraps the plan and and the fact <laughs> that that when people have plans in in this series, the they're never revealed to the reader. You always have like two characters saying, "Have you got the the thing you need?" and if you, you know you're ready for the the plan or whatever, but they don't say. 
sort of what you need to do or where you're going to be and you never get this sort of where a character turns around and kind of turns to the reader and says this is my grand plan and how it's going to work which as as we see in other series like game of thrones as soon as someone reveals what their plan is uh it invariably falls apart <laughs> yeah because you know you don't want to give their stuff away just by saying it yeah then <laughs> someone uh speaks our own frustration uh i think it was uh which Ben said uh what's so important about a coin in that scene where he's like communicating with uh hairlock i mean that scene is quite disturbing yeah like this little voodoo kind of thing where he sets up these sticks and he goes into the realm of chaos and talks to Paradox like, ha ha, where everything is possible. <sighs> yeah, so it's like the center of creation. Uh, Hairlock calls it, likely. doesn't he? Everything's possible, but not very likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Quickbend's got it. But I, I do love the um, the ritual that uh, Quickbend does where, you know, he sort of got gets these twigs and sticks them in the ground and then ties this sort of, what is it, cat gut, uh, twine around them or whatever it is it's what is it's got a, is it really made from guts i think traditionally it used to be i think nowadays it's probably made of some sort of plastic or something like oh, that but wow. originally like tennis rackets were strung with actual cat guts uh i think <laughs> i don't know what makes uh something in the guts must be quite good for that kind of thing i can't really imagine guess, kind of like football seat from uh, pig or whatever pig skin yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah so that's pretty much it for chapter eight. Uh, oh, and of course we get a little another. It's basically if you didn't get it until now, the story. Oh no, not that. The story with the uh, sorry. Uh, it's next chapter where it's basically all explained. But we do get a callback and like she says, oh, I know how to fish. Yeah, yeah. That's that's and it just totally blows everyone's mind. Everyone just looks at each other like what? she can fish. <laughs> well, that's kind of and then she gives Whiskey Jack that big sort of mocking smile where she's wow. like, yeah, yeah, and starts creeping everyone out again as usual. <laughs> yeah. She is scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so chapter 8 isn't uh, very long, although I have to note again the spar of NDI where uh, Hairlock and Ben talk. Because I really wonder if it's related to the uh, pistol NDI. Uh, I don't think it is, but I wonder. Yeah. I'm not sure what the what the spar of Andy is. I don't I don't know if it's ever in a lot of things are never made sort of fully clear. But it's it seems to be sort of is it a Warren that's close to chaos or is it part of chaos itself? I don't think we really uh, get an answer on that, do we? Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's a description of the realms like really intense realm of chaos. So uh, on to chapter nine, we open with the talk out in the uh, gallery plane. And he's like talking about like chaos is a sign of the times, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I find uh, uh, funny. And then he, he like he gets off his horse and says, "I hate." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, when uh, Tok catches up with uh, with Lorne, she's under attack by the uh, the Bargast. Yeah. As a and those two uh, troopers that are traveling with Lorne, the the sort of last two remaining from a bodyguard, those guys are pretty badass. Yeah. Like, one, one guy's got a spear through his leg that's pinning him to the ground and he's still like fighting off Bargast. Yeah, they're from uh, Jakarta, I think. I think it's for the Pirates or something. Uh, they're elites, actually. But, uh, yeah. That's very dedicated. Like when one of the guards says, uh, I don't have you protected, I'm supposed to be protecting you. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Rest in peace. And then uh, the. 
we had the first uh, appearance of the official footwear of the Muslim universe, and ma- some kind of shoes called moccasins. Like everyone wears moccasins <laughs> in these books. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think it's just because it's. I think it's like a period characteristic that they were easy to make because it's just like one piece of leather wrapped yeah. around your foot, and then another one on top, and you just stitch it. So it's kind of like low maintenance, has, uh, but but every other but they are. Pages like yeah, X's um, moccasin foot or moccasin uh, footprints or whatever. Yeah, I think they are definitely the, the number one must-have uh, footwear accessory in uh, in Malazan world. <laughs> yeah. And then then uh, during the, the fight where Lauren uh, and the Vargas are assembling, she's about to be killed, and suddenly his hand reaches out of the ground and gets a, a twine mask. So that, that was the best imagery I could think of before. Especially for a zombie, for a zombie caveman, like, um, like it's Yeah, it's 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 such. I mean, he he knows how to make a dramatic entrance, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Just just at the right moment, he like crushes this guy's oh, ankle with one hand. The last, uh, years. <laughs> yeah, and then of course the hands followed up by the the six foot flint sword, which is just a, a great image of just spearing him through the ground. And then it's like, um, it's mentioned that, uh, Otaro, the, uh, magic, uh, killing metal, it somehow it doesn't affect, uh, elder magic like, uh, Jagroots and, uh, Mass Magic. And, you know, I actually had a theory about it. I'm not going to tell it, say what it is right now, but I'm, I'm just, really I should say, because I'm not, still not sure if it's true or not, even after finishing the series. Uh, what do you think? Um, we can talk about that later, I think. I <laughs> But yeah. uh yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's another sort of confusing thing so, so early on in the series that you've got apparently two types of magic and some of them are killed by this sword and some of them aren't. So it's just sort of one more thing to confuse like, people as you had to come uh, he had to limit the badass, I guess. Yeah. Because you know there are too there would be too many too many badass news. Then, uh, then, uh, after, uh, I also like this, this part where, like, uh, comes out of the ground and, like, after being saved, one says, Oh, well, I've been waiting for you for days. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yes, uh, don't, uh, don't bother thanking me or being like, What the hell? A zombie caveman just came out of the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's obviously been there a while, so if he'd come up a bit sooner, he yeah. probably could have saved a few of those soldiers who were traveling yeah. with her, so I, I think that's why she's pissed off. But yeah, she does seem a bit ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so after uh, talk and born and ride off and uh, the planet mass goes back to dust, we switch, switch inside pale with Paran and uh, pacing the room with a tatter scale. <laughs> and I like how it started. It's like, this was madness. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it sounds like some kind of, uh, some, like, uh, some, the name of a quest in Skyrim. So, this is madness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of odd with the uh, past tense was, but uh, I think it might have looked better as the town said, but yeah, minor nibbles. Um, yeah. So where do, where are we up to now? Uh, after the when we're you know oh, talking. Uh, oh, we're yeah. yeah, not talking. So Tyrant Tyrant are talking. Tyrant still just woke up. Yeah, when she wakes up and she says about the coin dropped, the coin. and so the parent suddenly has a, a mini flashback of being at Hood's Gate and the Hounds. And... Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I, something I noticed that though, sometimes even Erickson's prose is, some, is sometimes like uh, poetry, like when he describes like the Gate of Madness, uh, the Lake of Death, or whatever. Like, uh, parent remembers Hood's Gate, which uh, yeah, I found cool. 
yeah, there's that thing about the the torn fabric of my memories or something like that. It's really, yeah, it's a, it, yeah. He's got a great way with words, uh, Ericsson. So yeah, they basically talk about playing uh, and uh, how the members skate, and uh, there's some. I think at this point they still don't fully trust each no, other, do they? There's a lot of this kind of mistrust going on. Um, it's know. kind of it's kind of a recurring theme throughout this book about how you know the Empire doesn't trust the bridge burners, the bridge burners don't trust anyone. Everything uh, lies, <laughs> maybe you know maybe none of this ever actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So and apparently Hairlock lied to Parrin about how still having wards and uh, whatnot. Yeah, that's that's great. I love the image of um, Hairlock, uh, sort of lying to parents, saying if she wasn't there, I'd come over there and rip you to pieces. But she's got wards, so I can't do anything about it. And you know, he's like acting really tough, and actually, it turns out that he's just terrified of Baron, and that's why he can't make a move. And he's just this horrible, mean little puppet, just <laughs> giving everyone all this uh, sort of constant stream of threats and. Dark promises. <laughs> yeah, it kind of fits the image of this hateful little puppet. <laughs> yeah, when he, he can't do much else other than threaten Something about how his uh, his painted on eyes somehow seem to glare at me with menace or something like that. I think Parent says at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the hairlock is uh, I think my favorite of you know, this. In fact, I think he's the best character in this in this specific book. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I think he's definitely my favorite possessed uh, puppet in oh. literature. <laughs> Surely there have been a few others, but I can't remember right now. Is I don't think he counts as possessed, or I guess it does. Yeah, yeah, I think he, it's possessed because it's his soul that's been shifted into. It's just a vessel, the puppet, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Anyways, so then we shift to Lorne. Uh, Toc and Lorne arrive at Pale. Yeah. And uh, they get initial reports about how uh, Tayshran and Dujek are uh, just getting on like one happy family, both trying to undermine each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, Tayshran wants to have killed this ridiculous proportion of the, the Pale nobility. Um, yeah. I think it's 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 like an ex- it's what uh, Lorne considers it to be an excessive culling. Uh, Dujak's not happy about it, but he kind of has to go along with it, or so you think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's basically a standard procedure for the Empire. Tales of Notes it like that. It's a horrible uh, comment on humanity, how, like, how easily the Empire tells everyone, like, oh, your previous nobles were horrible people who killed them, uh, even no matter how good they were. Which is yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always one sort of easy way is sort of manipulating one section of the population into hating another. Yeah. And it just so happens that the poor people are more uh, more common than the the rich people, so it's easier to get the poor people on your side by killing all the rich. Then yeah. um, I like this uh, part where like Dujek tells uh, Lauren, it's like, "I make no guarantees about um, you know, their safety in the city." It sounds almost like uh, an accident could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, then there's this conversation between Lauren and Dotation uh, where she's basically verbally uh, slapping him in the face for, for like losing to Dujek. Um, yeah, I, I love the way uh, she, she handles uh, 
Tayshran in this scene once do once do Jack's left. Yeah. Where she says uh that she's talking about do Jack and she says uh whereas a challenge in that man's loyalty to the Empire is an insult and that very insult may turn him and if he's forced to turn we are the traitors and yeah, all stuff like, like that. Like that. He's, the, he's the best of the Empire, yeah. That's um unexpected kind of statement from Warren. I mean she doesn't seem that type to like care about uh who's the best. She she's more loyal to the Empress than the Empire. I think she she is loyal to the Empress, but the Empress recognizes that Dujek's not the enemy, and Tayshran Tash, 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 acting like he is is gonna sort of make that a problem. That they've already decided that they need to get rid of Whiskey Jack. If they try and get rid of Dujek as well, then they're gonna really have a problem. Then, then she points out that if Whis- someone would point out, I think either it's Doc or her, that if uh, Whiskey Jack goes, then Dujek goes, like revolts. Yeah. No, no one's gonna tolerate uh, the bridge burners being destroyed. Which, uh, how come, how come, uh, they haven't, they haven't rebelled yet is what I don't get. I mean, almost all the bridge burners were killed. And, uh... I think that the reason that they haven't rebelled yet is that despite everything, they are actually loyal to the Empire. Um, particularly they were loyal to the old Emperor. Um, yes. but, but I think they're kind of given, uh, Lassine, like a, a lot of, sort of slack here and saying yeah you know you're the empress you're you're not sure about us but we're just gonna you know keep on taking these kicks and hope that you kind of realize that we are on your side after all or or maybe they've got something really big planned and we don't know but (laughs) maybe it's because they just don't don't know that i was like chasing behind the stuff yeah it could be that recently the Sort of their efforts to kind of get rid of the bridge burners are becoming more obvious and less subtle. Um, yeah. And there's like, it's mentioned earlier on that they've constantly been thrown into the worst war zones in the worst situations, like sort of as a recurring thing. But now there seems to be an active sort of, so now that they're not getting themselves killed by doing all these dangerous missions, they seem to be actively trying to sort of kill them in, in other ways, you know, like with Tayshan at Moonspawn and actually... all the rest of that stuff. Actually, that might get, and that's actually pretty smart, just putting them in like horrible situation because they're supposed to be like really good, right? So you can just say, well, we need, we need the best for this mission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, Lauren has, uh, when Lauren hears about, uh, Tyrosiel, she has like a brief flashback to her ch- childhood. To her, yeah. Which is a really a good character moment for Lauren. Um, basically she recalls uh, what happened to her parents and, uh, smell of uh, death and stuff which uh, yeah. sort of nicely sets up the scene at the uh, formal dinner uh, yeah and I love when uh, when she challenges uh, Tata Sale at the dinner and uh, he sort of oh, no yes. no when as soon as she walks in Tata Sale originally challenges oh. her and then everyone sort of says no 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 you can't uh, Lorne you can't execute Tata Sale blah 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 and then Tata Sale sort of says well Oh, we yeah. can duel. We yeah. can duel if you like, and she knows that she'll lose because the Othoril sword. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love the way it ties back to the prologue. So uh, while oh, yes, it does the mouse. Yeah. So while we've got sort of this great scene between Lassine and Whiskey Jack with Parent sort of looking on in the background, we've got Tattersail and Lorne in the mouse quarter in this riot, and yes. Dujack's Dujack's running around trying to stop the riot on uh, at the, at the Whiskey Jack's program. command. <laughs> At the end of the prologue, like, um, Pam says that, uh, the mouse is burning, is burning, is burning, it is, uh, smells like pigs burning, and whiskey out jacks, like, as you say. As yeah. You say, that's <laughs> another thing you could, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I think apparently uh, people burn and smells similar to burn and pork, so that's probably why oh. <laughs> Whiskey Jack was just saying, yeah, yeah, kid, it's pork, whatever. After they calm down, Lawrence Hagerstown just says, Lawrence dead, Lawrence died the day that your junk was born, and that's creepy, but it totally fits her character, because, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I think it's Tata Sale, or it could have been Tark who said that they've just been witness to an execution of uh, Lord. Yeah. Yes, execution of Lord. Yeah. Uh, and then she like turns into all like formal uh, greeting to Tata Sale, which is also creepy. Yeah, she shits. It's like when she gets reminded of who she is, she just absolutely kills her own personality and just move, just becomes this extension of the Empress, just right in front of everyone at the dinner table. It's just, uh, it's quite chilling the way she just sort of goes, okay, yeah, you're right. Well, you, so. just, re- you just reminded me about something that I, I, can't, I can't really talk about because it's in the next book, but, uh, yes, uh, teaser. If, if, I, if I remember, I'll talk about it when we get there. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. And we so, we get so keep listening, guys. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and we do get a little uh, preview into the next book when uh, I think it's before the dinner where Lorne is uh, worrying about the number of Seven Cities natives in oh, yeah. uh, Dujak's host because if they catch wind of the situation in their homeland, they could potentially rebel and the Empire could lose two continents. So just a yeah. little heads up that uh, things aren't too rosy in uh, Seven Cities. <laughs> Yeah, another reason to keep listening. Then uh, uh, I, uh, I really laughed at this uh, little exchange talk has about uh, Tavisil's uh, traveling wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that about? I think she's just got like a, a giant trunk that she carries all of her personal possessions around in a, you know, like, um, like a big giant suitcase or whatever. And it's just become like a running joke amongst all the troops. And eventually, even Dujek said he'd overheard people talking about it, and he didn't realise how it started. And I've just got this image of sort of two poor soldiers left carrying this enormous uh, crate, crate full of uh, clothes and, you know, yeah. other, <laughs> other sort of paraphernalia. And yet Tark says he's never seen her in anything but a battle dress. Yeah. But apparently she's got loads of really nice gowns in that wardrobe because <laughs> yeah. she uh, scrubs up quite well. And uh, after, no, no, after the uh, this conversation, they're talking about they start talking business, basically, and they mention mm. uh, Opon, and they got me to what they say. Basically, Opon's in in on this. They they want to they want something Richardson, and I still can't uh, understand what Opon is after. I mean, is it just are they just messing with everyone? Yeah, I, I I'm not sure. Because no, it sounds point. like they have a specific uh, uh, goal, which is not the impression I got. Than, uh, what they actually do, you know? mm. um, being the gods of luck and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, when, uh, so then, uh, Paran goes back to the room, and he turned me, uh, Hairlock left in this little cryptic message, uh, the dust walks, that the air is, uh, frosted fire, <laughs> which is, uh, pretty, uh, typically uh, cryptic message to people send each other in, uh, fantasy books, <laughs> which I like, but at least it doesn't take, uh, uh, two books until we find out what it means. Um, yeah. It's basically tied in a planet mass because they can uh, like walk around his desk, which is pretty pretty cool. Uh, uh, and of course, um, probably Parasail, uh, no, Hairlock, um, like follows them um, going around. Uh, so I guess that's how he knows about uh, the planet mass. 
Then uh, our heroes find Lovely, which is, uh, I have to say isn't Jerickson's finest hour. <laughs> nah, it really isn't. But uh, I guess I could tolerate it. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of uh, romance in the in the series. There's yeah. there's this this relationship between Tatasail and Parent comes up a bit, and uh, there's a couple of others, but it's it's mostly uh, you do get quite a lot of the the troops sort of on the march, sort of making use of each other before a battle and stuff like that. But most of it seems yeah. to be uh, sort of fairly casual. But there is a uh, sort of the odd little bit here and there, and I, I don't mind it to be honest. I quite like the idea of this sort of what is it, two hundred and odd year old mage with the, yeah, she does <laughs> with, not have the, with, with this like nineteen year old boy. <laughs> of course, you can see that she she just appeared And uh, well, uh, one last tidbit about this this chapter is like we mentioned this um, final mass there. Bone which I like there, this little hint, even not even a hint, just a like, note. Uh, yeah. You would, would never, ever, ever, ever notice the time. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't pick up on that first na- first time through, and it was only when I was reading it the second time, I was like, oh, wow, that, she... that person, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, so, yeah. I see you know, uh, yeah, he's actually a friend. We neglected to talk about the opening poem, which actually talks about our the one's companion, but like it's an imagery from the wandering like a seed and falling and uh, the poems by talk. So Yeah. I like I like that the poem about Tool is is by talk. Um yeah. and I I, lo- I love the uh, the little talk he gives at the end when uh, at the end of the chapter nine when he's talking to Lorne and uh, she's asking about what's going on with the Kron and he's like they're coming. And uh, what happens? When, what happens when they come? The diaspora ends. And and the diaspora ends. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, we end up thrown on the way to brood. Then okay, so chapter ten. Oh yeah. Which, um, <laughs> it opens with uh, I think my favorite epigram that came out from the entire series, <laughs> the one with uh, this little conversation between and the Mandarin and the Nananari between uh, Brood and Kalor, which yeah. uh, who brought them into this chapter. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I, le- I led a hundred thousand strong army, I, I ruled an empire before, la 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 la. And then at the end, right at the end, Kalor says, uh, so like, Kalor asks him, uh, do you know what this means? Says, yes, you never learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So brood brood, brood gets funny, it. But... Also means, yeah, and Brood, Brood understands that you know having big armies and waging war and all this stuff isn't what's important. Yeah. Um, but that's what Kalor's always chasing, and he thinks that that's kind of an achievement, but it's it's really his downfall. Yeah. Um, then uh, we have we have a little meeting between Top and Karen uh, and his kin, which is uh, kind of, was kind of nice. Uh, stress reliever like this typical uh, restaurant scene where like uh, I, I kind of like this idea. Um, just waiting in the end with the waiter, asking him stuff. It's just uh, a nice break and it's like tense uh, battle and stuff. And so basically they talk about more and stuff and then uh, Ed Parent says, well, he has a uh, tattoo sale distracted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess Erickson is allowed to do some innuendo once in a while. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 
like um, in the message that Karen uh, leaves for talk to this, he says like it's it's from the waiter dude. It doesn't. It's from someone who was out of his depth and didn't know it. Yeah, <laughs> which is a nice callback. I love that because that's what uh is that what Tox said to yes, him the last time they met? Tox yeah, we're all out of our depth, even, but the smart ones are those who know. It. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I I like the uh the parent talk relationship. Oh, yeah. They're both kind of they're both kind of outsiders because of who they are with uh talk being a claw and uh Paran being a sort of <laughs> imperial tool. He's <laughs> kind of like I just I just realized he's the adjunct to the adjunct. Wow. Yeah, yeah, adjutant to the adjunct. <laughs> uh, I make an exception plan, but those are just not funny anymore. So anyway. Um, anyway, so yeah, and then we have, uh, yeah, more of a, well, then Tattersail rides out, mm. not rides out, on, on the one, and she basically comes out in the Gyro plane and meets our old friend, the Lurgan. Oh, yeah. It's a very strange scene. Yeah, he's he's still carrying around that that oh, <laughs> that sack full of remains. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really sorry for Belladum because he's um he's he genuinely believes in Taisha and he doesn't believe that he's being lied to by his by his superior officer. Yeah. Um and when Tatasail accuses of him of betraying him, he says, you know, Taishran's my boss and he's your boss and I'm obeying him. I'm not betraying you. I'm do I'm following orders. You're the one who's acting out. Um, like I, and, I can't betray you. It's just orders. We're both following the Tishan's orders, right? Yeah. Then, so then they they have this this epic epic showdown. Is it really much of a showdown? It's more like that. Um, they build and basically talks about oh I why they're talking about uh um, about the Jagroot. We first hear about the Jagroot retirement. Um, yeah. He's like, oh no, they wouldn't be. The uh, Morn and um, the and Tool are definitely not uh, going to release him or anything. They're just going to stop anyone else from releasing him, right? Right? <laughs> it's like they're kind yeah. of naive to react. He says like this, uh, in this really authoritative, authoritative tone, like that. They're going to us uh, to stop people from releasing. Him. Yes, now that's it. Yeah. One of the things that, that strikes me quite a lot in these books is that you have these races like uh, the Tablaki and I think, Tablaki. you know, Be- Be- and the Jagut and stuff like that. And I think Beladin must be, you know, a couple of hundred, if not a thousand years old. But he's still really, really naive about this, <laughs> about yeah. sort of the, the intentions of the Emperor. And you get this childlike quality in quite a few of these um, sort of elder races where they sort of. I mean, Icarium in the next book is one that strikes me sort of having this maybe, real innocence about him. Maybe it's the only way to cope. Yeah. Or otherwise, why would you want to live than just thousands of years? Um, yeah. I mean, this is the series basically takes everything to the extreme. Like, yeah. Hundreds of thousands of years of history, uh, 10 billion races, 5 billion uh, characters, uh, at least four, five, three or four magic systems. Um, and uh, maybe sometimes that's what you need, a little um, a little that uh, old uh, naive reaction. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, and so uh, Tattersail uh, is a girl on thought. Uh, yeah, she basically uses, like, seems to use all kinds of different warmth to something, uh, according to uh, the Ravens. Well, that was all kinds of different uh, warrants come out, magic fire pillar that consumes both her and uh, Belarion. 
Yeah, um, and we learn from uh, Lorne that this uh, this pillar of fire burned in the sky for at least an hour. So yeah. qu- quite a quite a sort of an end for the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Tool meant it, but actually this is the chapter where uh, Arnold's Tool on gets to nickname Tool, and he says, yes, that's fitting, which is also, you know, I, I realized the Tool kind of also fits the theme of the news. Uh, yeah. Also, the book, the name of the book, The Mission, huh, I think they sent on the mission. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so he starts says that the only person who could do that kind of thing that, like, this new presence, it's emerging from the fireball, is someone who died long ago because he has no worshippers, and, uh, I'm pretty sure I know who he's, who he's talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, I was gonna say it, but we'll find out soon. Uh, then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it's right on. And then now uh, we shift, uh, seems to, um, if we break away from the pale, we do just time with doing like a rhythm here, and we shift with Crone to, uh, the Caldan Birds camp in the Black Dog Club Forest, and then to basically have a little briefing. Uh, which actually is kind of like a follow-up to the uh, strategy talk that uh, Lauren and Dujek had in Chapter 9, where he basically asks for the reinforcements to be sent in certain order and stuff. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my favorite thing is uh, how, uh, like, I know that this is noted on the map, but the Caldan uh, Brood says that most of the people holding the box packs for the Malazans are Stannis conscripts. Yeah, yeah, if you look at the map, you see there's a place called the Stannis. What's outside? I guess they're from there, but uh, I don't think it's a, <laughs> I don't think it's uh, intentional. But maybe it's just, just a subconscious thing because, as far as I heard, Eric someone read the first uh, Song of Ice and Fire book. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just probably, probably not coincidence. Anyway, and uh, then Corona uh, <laughs> is talking about what, what would happen if uh, if it would break off a coin and stuff. Uh, and she says, oh, there'll be such a man, nice storm, uh, everyone will die, rape will kill Opan, it'll be such fun. <laughs> She's, uh, another of those, uh, manic characters we have in the series. Uh, and then, uh, one of them mentions something, a storm comes down from the Ligeron Heights, and, uh, that reminded, <laughs> that reminded me of, uh, I'm not sure if it's a reference to who I think it is, but uh, it might well be. Mm. So lots of set up in that scene, and then mm-hmm. uh, for the last part, we have another short uh, segment with uh, talking, not talking with uh, Tool and Lauren. And then uh, my my favorite, my favorite moment in the entire book, of course, is like the um, Lauren asks the Tool what he's thinking about. And he says, "I'm thinking about futility." So uh, he, she asks him, uh, "Do most plotmasters think about uh, futility?" He says, "No. Why not? Because it's futile." <laughs> Yeah, I love uh, the sort of little philosophical uh, sort of throwaways that Erickson puts into yeah. his his dialogue and his prose and the, the okay. thoughts of the characters. It's more than a throwaway. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it, it's really sort of adds adds a lot to the series, yes, I think. Especially on the really and the, the quality of the prose. I think I, I read somewhere he said like I I bet he, he said something like oh I wrote the series kind of like a very very long short story. It's like packed <laughs> so much into every word. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, I where do, he's I, like I, I do actually think that's the in fact the biggest part. Not the uh, picking up the new things. Not the uh, so sorry, I think the it's the prose that's that really is you in every time. Mm. 
and it's it. it's something he gets a lot better at as the as the series progresses yeah, as well as his, his writing style and his structure and really proves. Yes, uh, and um, that pretty much does it for Fans of the Moon three. Oh wait, we've we've got the uh, the fight with uh, Hairlock and Crone as well. Oh yes, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that? Oh no, yeah, that's this chapter, isn't it? Where after she leaves uh, Brood's camp. After Tok and Paran have found the, the remains. So, uh, I think she mentioned something about Arabach and Holocaust, but. I thought she. Was, have I been reading too far? I, thought, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure. No, uh, it sounds like something that actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that pretty much does it for the episode. Alright. So, uh, make sure to like us on Facebook and, all, and uh, rate us on iTunes. We still uh, don't have enough ratings. I can say we really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, see you guys um, in two weeks' time with the uh, book four, um, Assassins, which is a, I think I think it's also a like, short. Book yeah, book. it is. It's it's another. I think it's about. Uh, let's have a look. It's only about a uh, hundred. Oh no, it's only about ninety pages. So yeah, so yeah. We'll definitely do that next. Uh, all the next episode. Yeah, so I think we can easily do that, and then we've just got three more uh, sections to go. Yes. Uh, I'm confused by this like, sub books thing. Um, <laughs> so don't worry, in the next, in the, after this, they get into their only like four each, each time. Yeah, which I think he does actually change up for like the very last book yes, for, for obvious reasons. Second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes. I think that's it. So yeah, yeah. thanks, uh, thanks very much. Thanks to you all for listening, and we'll see you. Yeah, and we'll see you in two weeks.